What's up? I'm B, and whether you are watching this on YouTube or you are listening to the podcast, I hope you are having an amazing day. Today we are back to talking about Teal Swan. We're going to be watching and reacting to the first video that she put out in response to The Deep End, which is the documentary that was made about her. I've previously reacted to and kind of given summaries of all four episodes of that. So if you've not watched or listened to those, I would definitely recommend doing that before we get to responding to Teal's reaction to them. And before we get into watching her first video, I do just want to cover the topic of what happened to Leslie Wainsgard. Again, I talked about this a little bit in previous videos and I had assumed that in the deep end, they were going to talk more about it instead of just alluding to it, but they didn't. And I have since learned that the deep end was kind of launched off from the Gateway podcast and in the Gateway podcast, which is about Teal Swan as well, they do go into Leslie's story. And so um, it makes sense, I guess, that they wouldn't go over the exact same things. And I do understand how it would have been hard to fit Leslie's story in what happened in the deep end because it was kind of like um, like a, a linear timeline of things. It was talking about things and showing things that were happening in the order that they happened in at that time that they were filming. And so I guess it doesn't make sense that they would go back and give that backstory because there wasn't any sort of narration going on in the deep end. So like I said, I, I understand why they didn't cover it. However, if you didn't listen to The Gateway before watching The Deep End, I feel like you're missing some pretty important context. And so that's why I want to talk about Leslie Wainsgard and what happened to her. And I will just say, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I'm probably going to be in like two different outfits or I'll be filming at two different times because I'm doing this before work because life is busy. So, you know, sometimes we got to split things up. Can't always sit down for a full hour, two hours, whatever. It's fine. I'm just giving y'all a heads up. If you see like a sudden change in wardrobe, that would be why. But having said all that, let's move on to Leslie Wainsgard. I found this paper called An Analysis of Suicide Coercion that was written by Melissa Horton in order to get her Honors Bachelor of Arts in Linguistics in May of this year. And I thought it was a very interesting topic for a paper. I hope she did well on it. And that there is a specific section about what happened between Leslie and Teal. And I think that the way that she wrote about what happened between Leslie and Teal in this paper was really effective. So I'm just going to read the section that's about them. And then if I have anything to add or any additional context, I will obviously throw it in. Melissa writes, quote, Leslie Wainsgard's death is a case of suspected coerced suicide. It has never been tried, and unlike cases previously analyzed in this project, there are no recordings or records of Leslie that can definitively link her death to the alleged perpetrator. However, the alleged perpetrator, Teal Swan, has gained notoriety for her language concerning suicide and has had as many as four deaths attributed to her teachings in some way. Brown, 2018. Additionally, in the analysis below, several coercive elements can be clearly identified. Swan frequently posts videos of her teachings, seminars, and other spiritual content on her YouTube channel, including her teachings on death and suicide, and her experience with Leslie Wainsgard. This makes the case ideal for linguistic analysis due to the amount of language-based evidence available. Section 3.2.1.1 Background 
Leslie Wainsgard and her husband, John, were close followers of spiritual guru Teal Swan. After they met, Swan soon began having one-on-one therapy sessions with Leslie. Soon after this, Leslie decided to stop taking her antidepressant medication without psychiatric supervision at Swan's suggestion. During one of these therapy sessions, Leslie recovered suppressed memories of childhood sexual abuse inflicted by her father. On the night of May 19, 2012, Leslie committed suicide by overdose and died in her bed. End quote. So, again, we're seeing this common theme pop up over and over again of Teal Swan doing therapy sessions and the people that she, and unlicensed, obviously, as we've talked about. Um, if you're watching this, I'm assuming you at least know who Teal Swan is or you've watched my other videos, so I won't go into the depth of everything, right? But we know. She's not licensed. She's not held to any sort of code of ethics or anything like that. And so she's doing therapy and, you know, therapy, quote unquote. And then the person that she is treating with this is recovering suppressed memories of sexual abuse, apparently. Back to the paper, Melissa continues, quote, Because of Swan's public discourse regarding suicide and death, many people believed that Swan is the reason that Leslie decided to kill herself. Swan has never been tried or implicated in this case. However, Swan has been connected to at least three other cases of suicide. Because of this, I believe the language she uses to talk to her followers about death and suicide is appropriate data for identifying elements of suicide coercion. Section 3.2.1.2 non-linguistic coercive elements. In Leslie's case, we can identify some facts that we can consider coercive elements. Firstly, by suggesting that Leslie stop taking antidepressants, Swan was able to mentally debilitate Leslie and increase her level of internal conflict. Leslie had tried before to stop taking her antidepressants without doctor supervision and, according to her husband John, it had gone very poorly and had resulted in increased suicidal thoughts and mood swings. Secondly, Swan helped Leslie recover suppressed memories of extreme childhood trauma. There's a lot of controversy around the idea of suppressed or repressed memories. Studies show that it is possible for child sexual abuse survivors to completely forget the incidents of their trauma, sometimes even after remembering it again. However, there is also evidence that recovered memories can be planted, especially if there are psychoactive drugs, hypnosis, or spiritual experiences involved. Furthermore, therapists can plant these fabricated memories without even intending to, and most mainstream psychologists believe that most, if not all, instances of repressed memory recovery are actually false memories. Goodman et al. 2019. No one can prove Swan's intention or actions regarding this. What is important, though, is that we can surmise the effect that this incident had on Leslie. This was another level of mental debilitation, as well as a motivation for Leslie's isolation. Leslie was unsure which family members she could trust after remembering her trauma, so she distanced herself from all of them. Additionally, Swan also has directives for her followers. Leslie had built a habit of complying with those directives whenever possible. Swan also had an unusual connection with Leslie's husband, John. Swan had told John that they had been married in a past life, and to this day, John will still talk about his spiritual attraction to Swan. This may have also been an isolating factor in Leslie's case, if this extramarital attraction had caused any emotional strain on her and John's marriage. The Teal Swan quotes discussed here come from a podcast put together by reporter Jennings Brown called The Gateway. Brown conducted extensive investigative journalism into Swan's past, 
teachings and allegations of suicide coercion. All Swan quotes used here come from the audio clips of Swan speaking that are included in the podcast, and the episode number and timestamp has been included next to the quotes. To start, let us look at some of what Swan said during a workshop where Leslie was not only in attendance, but that Leslie had monetarily sponsored. Quote, it feels so fantastic to die, episode 2, 59 seconds, end quote. Swan's language here is very overt. We can see both a promise in this quote as well as an indirect minimization of death. To suicidal, coercion-primed individuals, the concept of anything feeling fantastic is very alluring. Additionally, there is usually conflict within the victim such that they already believe that suicide is a potential relief. Confirmation of this from a trusted source is already extremely coercive. Quote, what suicide is, is pushing the reset button. What is suicide? It's giving up completely on life. So let yourself give up physically on life by falling on the floor. When you are on the floor, I want you to imagine dying. Here's the thing. You have been loosely and mostly subconsciously toying with the idea of suicide. You have been thinking about it, but not really consciously. This time, what I am going to encourage you to do is to consciously imagine committing suicide. Imagine how you want to kill yourself and where you want to kill yourself. Imagine every grisly detail. Episode 2, 1 minute and 14 seconds, end quote. In this quote, we can see Swan actually lead her audience through a rehearsal of suicide. This exercise that she leads them through has a low perceived cost to her audience, so they follow along without protest. However, this rehearsal starts to build a habit of complying with Swan's directive, and it desensitizes the listener to the severity of suicide. Swan's language also dictates directly to the listener what they should be feeling or what they have been experiencing. This is a powerful way to actually create those experiences in those listeners. This increases the tension in a victim's internal conflict and can aggravate their suicidal tendencies. Leslie's husband, John, has also given some secondhand accounts of what Swan had said to Leslie during their time together. It is important to know that John and Leslie fully believed that Swan had supernatural and psychic powers, so Swan's statement carried a lot of weight. Quote, because Teal can see these things, she said she had never seen a human being that was still in physical form whose soul was so wanting to get out of the body. She commented to me and to Leslie. She said, quote, I have never seen a human being that is still alive whose soul so badly wants to get out of the body, end quote. Episode 2, 21 minutes and 52 seconds, end quote, John Wainsgard. Coming from a trusted source, a comment like that can cause serious mental debilitation. The victim can start to believe that they are beyond help, that resisting suicidal urges was pointless, end quote. So in the Gateway podcast, we hear Teal talking about Leslie, and she basically says that Leslie is not fully committed to life and that um, whenever Teal would give her a suggestion or give her something to try, she would try it for like two or three days and it would make her life so amazing and then she would give up on it. And so it's like, if I can't help her, no one can. She just doesn't want to be here. She just doesn't want to commit to life. She said things along those lines. And I have a feeling that Teal said things like this as kind of a an offensive move, basically, is she knew that the things that she was telling Leslie to do weren't helping. They weren't making her feel better. They weren't making her a healthier, happier person overall. And she probably didn't know how to help her. And so in saying that, it's like, well, she just doesn't want to be here. Her soul wants to leave her body. If I can't help her, no one else can. Because if she can't help Leslie, who has been so involved with Teal, they monetarily sponsored events and stuff like that. If she can't help her, 
I feel like in her mind and probably in the mind of the public, certainly in my mind, she would lose some credibility. If this is somebody who's so closely involved with you and like so willing to do the things that you say and the things that you're saying aren't helping, aren't helping her work through the things that she's struggling with, why would I trust that you could help me or why would I trust that you could help somebody else? That's just my theory. Okay, I got ahead of myself. I knew that Melissa brought this up, but it's been a few days since I've read this paper and so... I blanked on it, but literally in the next section, Melissa says, quote, more support for Leslie being led to this perspective comes from how Swan herself talked about Leslie's death, quote, and so we had that very serious sit down talk where we had to say, all right, we're either committing or not committing to life because every time I gave her a suggestion, she'd stop in two days doing the suggestion. So then we have to ask the question, do we really want this to work? And what's interesting is that when she asked herself the question, the answer was, quote, no, I'm done, end quote. There's nothing that any healer could ever do for that type of vibration, which is totally fine. From source energy, there's nothing wrong with death from that perspective. So she chose to commit suicide. Episode two at 28 minutes, 58 seconds, end quote. Swan created a false dichotomy for Leslie. Either Leslie committed to Swan's suggestions or Leslie was uncommitted to life and she had a vibration that no one could heal. This is an incident where Swan was in complete control of Leslie's perception of her situation. Furthermore, Swan used that control, intentionally or not, to create further mental debilitation and anguish. All of this combined with Swan's consistent minimization of death, as we can also see in this quote, created an environment that led to Leslie Wainsgard committing suicide, end quote. So that is the part of the paper that covers Leslie Wainsgard, and it's a really just tragic story. I mean, Leslie was going through a lot, and instead of encouraging her to continue to seek professional help, Teal just kind of tore everything away from her, whether it was intentional or not. And I'm not saying that the only people who can help others are those who are licensed or certified in some way. Um, I, I'm not saying that Teal has never helped anybody else. There are plenty of people who have said that listening to Teal has helped them and has been a benefit to them. But in this case, I think Leslie would have benefited from being encouraged to continue going to licensed practitioners. And the thing that really bothers me is that Leslie took her own life after having this conversation with Teal about, you know, I'm really not committed to following the things that you're telling me. So I guess I'm not committed to life. No, I don't want to do this. And to this day, John, Leslie's husband, will defend Teal. He said in episode one of The Deep End, when Molly asked about Leslie and people saying that Teal was responsible for Leslie's death, he says, quote, there's nothing I wouldn't do to help Teal and defend her and how adamant I am about her innocence here, end quote. And I guess I should clarify, John doesn't really want to make himself publicly known. Like, if you're willing to defend Teal and you're saying, no, it wasn't her fault, like this was the right choice for Leslie, why wouldn't you want to be more public? probably because you know there's something wrong with it. And John's attraction, like, it's very odd because he said that, like, the second he saw Teal, there was just something about her that drew him to her. And so we know that maybe he has some conflicting emotions about Teal that might make it a little bit hard for him to think objectively. Like, maybe he's thinking with his physiological reactions as opposed to sitting down and like clear-headedly being like, hmm, 
these are the this is the order of events of things that happened and this was the result maybe teal was not super helpful instead it's just no there's nothing i wouldn't do to, to defend teal um but i also don't want to like make myself super known the entire thing is just really devastating i feel so bad for leslie's family and her friends her friends talk about her just so wonderfully and you can tell that as soon as she met teal things started changing a little bit and they started noticing things that were uncharacteristic of Leslie and certain changes that really just concerned them and made them worried about her. And so I'm not saying that Leslie's death by suicide was Teal's fault, but I do think that she was not helpful. All right. I'm back. It is a few days later, but we are here. We are ready to go. And we are going to watch Teal Swan's video called Documentary Episode 1 Thoughts. And I feel like there's really not going to be anything in Teal's response to the documentary that could truly change my mind on how I feel about her. However, I am completely open to the concept that some of the things in the documentary were presented in a misleading fashion. Like, I, I am totally open to that. We see it a lot. There's a bias when somebody's creating a piece of content. It's really, really hard to be completely neutral. And so, like I said, I'm open to that. I'm open to hearing her out. And maybe she will show me something that is just so completely shocking that it does change my mind on her. But before watching The Deep End, I did already know quite a bit about Teal Swan because I had been searching out information about her for months before we got to that point. And so, like I said, I don't think there will be something that's just like, aha, I've been completely wrong. However, I'm open to the idea that some things were presented in a misleading fashion. And if they were, I will acknowledge that and I will give her like I don't, not props, but but I'll give it to her if, if something comes out and it's like, this is what they showed, but here's the full context of it, or here's the full footage that they didn't include, I'll obviously, you know, acknowledge when something isn't fair. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and get started with the video. She has a really long disclaimer in the beginning. I won't read the whole thing, but the first part is a medical advice disclaimer where she says that none of the things in her videos, her posts, anything like that is supposed to be used as a substitute for uh, professional medical advice. So I do appreciate that she has that there. I do have a thought in my head though that if somebody is a really devoted follower of Teal, they probably aren't going to internalize that warning. They're probably not going to take it to heart if they're struggling with something physically or mentally and they think that they found Teal and Teal is psychic and Teal is the solution. What are the odds that they're going to, you know, continue to do both. If they've been seeking medical treatment and if they feel like it's not working or it's not helping and then they find Teal, I think we kind of see this slippery slope where you get into this like spiritual new age realm and you go full force because they tell you you have to go full force. And so I just don't think it's likely that a lot of the people who really truly believe in teal are going to be like ah yes let me go to a completion process retreat next week and then the following week I will resume my regular you know therapy sessions or my psychiatry sessions or I'll keep going to my doctor to get my medication because again you know past behavior 
is a good predictor of future behavior. And so if Teal told Leslie Wainsgard to get off of her antidepressants, she probably wasn't the only person who got that messaging from Teal. Anyway, um, that's the first part of the disclaimer. And then the second part of the disclaimer is saying that I can't do this. <laughs> it's saying that by watching this video, I agree not to uh, react to it, basically. Let me, I'll read you the entire wording. It says, the following video is a proprietary copyrighted trademarked work. The unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or possession of this video in part or in whole is illegal and subject to action for injunctive relief and or monetary damages. Criminal copyright infringement is investigated by the FBI and is punishable by up to five years in federal prison and a fine of $250,000. Y'all, if I go to jail, can you do me a favor and just like at least write me letters so that way I have people to talk to? The second part of it says, choosing to view this video demonstrates your agreement not to reproduce, distribute, or possess any part of this video without prior authorization for any reason, including but not limited to criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, education, and or research, and you further agree that any breach of this agreement will be resolved in California pursuant to California and applicable federal laws. So, I see the warning. I hear you, Teal. However, I am legally allowed to react to this content. First and foremost, this content is free. This is not behind a paywall. It's not something that is um, being gatekept in any way. It is free and publicly available. And I am reacting to it in order to entertain a little bit. You know, most of my videos aren't super fun, so maybe I can't really use that. But um, educate. Yeah, and I am reacting to it in order to um, provide commentary. And legally, I am allowed to do that. There will be a fair use disclaimer in my description box because reacting to something in order to uh, educate, entertain, comment, criticize, report on, etc., is legal. I'm really like, interested to see what she puts in here because I, I have no idea we're watching it for the first time together and so who knows what's gonna come up hi there everyone so what everyone wants to know today is what do i think about the first episode of the deep end series on hulu so here I am unedited, and I'm going to tell you what I think so far. First, I want you to remember that you're watching a TV show that was done about me, that I did not get any payment for, and that I have no control over. And one of the most vulnerable and nerve-wracking things in the world is watching someone else's portrayal of you and your life. First, let's start with the positives. Okay, I think that is a good point to make. Yes, remember that she did not have any part in how things were edited together or how things were presented. However, I've seen a lot of people say that like things in the documentary were completely divorced of context or when I say something that Teal did in the documentary, I'm not providing context, like everything is misleading. And that might be true in some situations. However, if something is included in the Deep End documentary, it's because it had to have happened. Like Teal telling Blake that he's worthless, he's a coward, he has no honor. She had to say those things in order for them to be included. And so maybe something's going to come out where it's like, we were in this awful fight and here's what he said to me. 
and that's why I responded in this way. Like, that's something that could happen. But at the end of the day, we all have to be accountable for ourselves. And so in this completely made up scenario where I'm potentially giving Teelan out for saying some of the awful things that she has said, um, if she were saying those things out of like anger or frustration or as a response to something that someone was said to her, it would make them a little bit more understandable. And so I'm good that we're going to get context of the things that Teal had an issue with, but it still wouldn't make it right for Teal to say a lot of the things that she said, like regardless of whatever fictitious situation I am making up in my head, right? You guys are following me. You know what I'm trying to get at. And then the second thing I wanted to talk about is something that we discussed earlier about how Jennings Brown, who was responsible for The Gateway, which is the Gizmodo podcast about Teal Swan and Teal Swan was involved in it, he was also part of The Deep End. And so I get saying like, it's scary, it's nerve wracking, like you don't know how they're going to present you. However, she did work with this person before and in the podcast, she did not come off well in my opinion. So I'm not quite sure why she would see the reaction to that and then agree to do it again, basically, but in a more intimate and exposing fashion. Visually, it's beautiful, high quality and cinematic. Oh yeah. I loved the positive testimonials from fans, supporters, and people who understand me and my vision for the change that is needed in this world. This shows that what I am doing has really had a positive and deep impact on so many people. And that means everything to me. It is what keeps me going every day. This episode made it very clear that I am about the truth. I think viewers will get a very clear idea that myself as well as those who follow my material are about very deep, raw, real, honest stuff. Quite frankly, a lot of you are sick of the pretense and are looking for something very real. It is clear that I'm not just going to tell someone something that makes them feel good when it is clear that doing so will not help them to recognize and break free from destructive patterns. And for people who are not ready for that kind of reality check, deep dive, or change themselves yet, they can clearly know it's not for them yet. I am very happy about the scene. Girl. <laughs> In the beginning, she was like, this is my uncut reaction. And then as she was talking, it kind of sounded like she was reading from a script or an outline. And then there was a cut. That's funny. But yes, uh, of course, she would be happy with the positive feedback and the positive testimonials that her fans were giving because who doesn't like hearing nice things about themselves? And I do agree that Teal isn't somebody who is just going to be like, everything's great, everything's beautiful, rainbows and butterflies. You know, she very much is willing to lean into the harder parts of life and talk about them and talk about the hard things that she allegedly went through. So I think she makes a good point there. And I agree that nobody's going to look at her and just think it's all positive happiness. They're going to understand that if they want to work with her, there's going to be some tough things to work through. Um, gosh, like we've already, I feel like I've, I was going to use a bad analogy. Um, I feel like I have talked about this so much. The fact of Teal doing recovered memories and bringing up all these childhood traumas usually revolving around the same kind of thing. And so I don't want to be super repetitive, but I think it's worth bringing up when she says like, we're going to work through the hard things. 
sometimes those things might potentially be fabricated. And like everybody has baggage, everybody has stuff that they've gone through that they do need to make sure that they have healed from or they're taking the process to do whatever they can in order to heal from it. And we, we should embrace that and talk about it and not shy away from it. But some of the things that Teal presents to people as things that they have gone through or encourages them to recall things that they have gone through may not have always happened. And so maybe it's more harm than good to go through those things and to tackle those things if they didn't happen in reality where I'm explaining the difference between healing and just feeling better. In this segment, I also got to present to the world the idea that regarding mental health, we need to start asking what happened to you instead of what is wrong with you. Sometimes a good idea has to come from someone on the outside. In this case, someone on the outside of the traditional mental health field. I am trying to create positive change in the mental health field. And this episode displayed that. I loved the part where one of my trainees was making a call saying how she's going to come home a different person and how she wants this to be her life's work. It meant so much to me that she found the connection she has been looking for in my work, especially, and about how positive this work can be. Plus, it's always fun to see those transformative private conversations that I don't see when I'm holding a training. <laughs> I also thought that the segment where I have the audience raise their hands to give the person that just sounded really disingenuous and I don't know maybe it's because I think Teal and I have kind of a similar register in our voices like we're just not super high-pitched and so I know for me in a lot of instances when I express excitement it's very subdued because it does sound fake and so I'm not trying to be fake if I'm excited about something, but I'm very aware that it does, especially in uh, creating YouTube content and the fact that I've filmed myself for like two, three years now. Um, I've seen a lot of footage of me, and so I know how it comes off, and maybe that's just the case for her where when she does get excited like that and it's a little bit more higher pitched and giggly, it gives off the vibe that it's fake, but it is genuine. So I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt, but just watching it from the outside, it sounded very kind of over overproduced, like overdone. It didn't seem like a genuine reaction from her. And on stage, the awareness of how many people are really not okay in their lives was quite powerful. It makes people see that they aren't alone. But unfortunately, there are some things I want to clarify after saying that. Let's get into it. This first episode. This is a documentary series, and all documentaries start with lots of video. I mean hundreds and hundreds of hours. And that collective footage is then edited down to tell a story. Some things are included, but a lot always gets cut out. Watching this episode helped me realize something about my work. If literally anything, positive or negative, is taken out of context, and I mean a very long context, it can no longer be properly or fully understood. All media productions, including documentaries, are a series of sound bites, but sound bites just don't work to accurately portray what I am doing. I wish they did. It would make my life a whole lot easier. <laughs> These subjects are just too nuanced and too complex to simplify in this way. For example, in one of the clips, there was a scene from a workshop 
where I was talking to a mom with a baby who wanted to go back to work. At one point in that conversation, I said, you can do no better for your daughter than to give her an example of what a woman in her passion looks like. This makes it sound like I think it is the right answer for all mothers to work. I don't feel this way. I was helping this particular woman to release her resistance to it being right for her specifically to go back to work rather than to force herself to do something out of a sense of obligation or society's current estimation of moral rightness. Moms choosing to work or not when they are raising children and the impact that has on their children either way is not a simple subject with simple answers. It is an incredibly complex one, especially in today's society. I feel like this example is a red herring for people who have not seen the documentary. She knows that she publicly got a lot of criticism for things that she said in the documentary. And so she's picking an example of something where I don't really think she said or did anything wrong and presenting it as if that's what she got criticism for and saying like, see, this is why you need the full context because I'm not saying all moms have to work. I'm just saying it was right for this mom because it's what she wanted to do. And so she's going to try and like sweep some of the rougher things that she said and did under the rug. I do agree context is important. I agree that some things might get left out um, and you might not have like the full scope of what's happening. But again, it doesn't change the things that Teal actually said. And those are the things that I have an issue with. Teal snapping on somebody and saying that she's never met anybody more enlightened than her. So why should anyone get to hold her accountable? That's a problem. Accountability is vital for leaders. Leaders need to be held accountable because sometimes you get in your own brain and you get in your own way and you get misguided. And so you need people around you who trust you and you trust them and they're looking out for your best interest to say, hey, maybe we reevaluate this or, you know, you did this thing and I think it wasn't the greatest choice, you know? And so it's like the, the issues and the things that Teal has said and done that people are criticizing her for are so much deeper than this one incident with the mom who wanted to go back to work. And honestly, I didn't see anybody criticizing her for saying that. I actually agreed with what she said. I thought it was good that she told this mom, hey, if, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but hey, if working is something that really fulfills you and you're passionate about it, that would be a great example for your daughter. Don't feel like you have to stay home just because in America, it's traditionally expected that if one of the parents is going to stay home, it would be the wife. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure for people to be stay-at-home moms in certain cases and in certain communities. Don't feel like you need to do that if it's not right for you. It would be great for your daughter to see her mom being strong and following her passion and doing the things that she wants to do that will fulfill her. Like, I thought it was a positive thing, and I didn't see anybody else perceiving it in a negative way. Honestly, I was watching the episode with my team. At one point, I pointed to the TV and said, who is that person? I don't like her very much. Not because I was watching the way I really am and don't like what I see, but because of the way this particular episode was edited. The teal swan they created in this episode makes me come across very hard, harsh, cold, dismissive, unworkable, domineering, competitive, and angry. It also made me come across like a person with a superiority complex who is jealous. Like I thought in the first episode, she did come off as kind of having arrogance and being a little bit harsh, but maybe because these things are being presented about her, it 
hurts her more because I do think the way that she presents herself is a little bit cold and unfeeling. However, she has to have some compassion or have some warmth to make her followers feel the way that they feel about her. So I guess as an audience member, it's about needing to make sure you're keeping an eye on the big picture of things and thinking outside of what was strictly presented on the screen. And I can understand why she would feel that she was presented in those ways. That was just not the impression that I got, that, that in episode one, she was being shown as this horrible person with all of these negative traits that she just listed. But everybody has a different perspective. Everybody views things differently and interprets them differently to be the queen bee and who especially has no room in her life for any other women. This episode did not show my softness, receptivity, workability, or humility. It didn't show the reality of my multifaceted personality. I've received so many beautiful notes today <laughs> from the people who know the real me, shocked that I was portrayed in this way. I feel misunderstood. That's part of why I wanted to make this video and why I've also posted a full unedited video from one of my workshops so you can see for yourself how I interact with people in need of my help. It's on YouTube and on my website. Speaking of editing, there was a scene where I was being challenged at one of my retreats by an attendee who was concerned that I have no one that I look up to. The reality Ooh, this is going to be an interesting explanation. I, I hope there is a valid explanation because the thing is, while I have so many issues with Teal and the things that she says and does, I don't want her to be somebody who's harming people. Like she has a presence. She has a following. She's out here doing this and nothing I say is going to make her stop doing the work that she is doing. And so I would love it if this was a misunderstanding and if there is something else that we just didn't know because I don't want her to be causing harm to people. I want her to be helping people and giving them a positive experience. That is that this interaction was crazy long, yet the entire conversation was reduced to several carefully selected cuts that in my opinion, make me look like I have no tolerance for being questioned, which just isn't true. I invite questioning. The way this segment was cut makes me come across like an aggressive, egotistical megalomaniac which I'm not. And unfortunately, because these cuts were removed from their full context, you didn't get to see the part where I said what I always say, that once your awareness gets to a certain point, the need for one specific teacher is gone because you understand that you can learn from anything, everyone, and every single thing you come into contact with in the world. Thus, everything and everyone becomes your teacher. Unfortunately, my haters will love how this scene is cut. Another example of- Okay, two things about that. So she says that she loves questioning. I am sure she loves questioning if she feels like it's coming from a place of genuinely wanting to expand knowledge and wanting to understand something. I would be willing to bet that when the questioning feels like questioning of her or her authority or her knowledge, that's when she gets defensive, and that's kind of what we saw in that clip. If you spend all your time calling people's BS, right, is there anyone out the team that you would have enough respect for that they could challenge you? It's a strange question. Why is that an important question? Mm -hmm. Why? I should have someone above me. Not above you. Like, 
who do you look up to? to I call? don't look up to anyone. But I, and so I have resistance against that, if I'm being brutally honest. Why? I should have someone above me. It's not going to happen. Is that stubbornness? I wouldn't be particularly aware if I wasn't able to recognize the potential of someone having more awareness than me. I've never met them. And then the second issue I have with the way that she addressed this clip is that, in my opinion, the thing that people were most upset about wasn't that Teal said she could never learn anything again because she didn't say that. And so her being like, oh, they, they cut out what I always say, which is once you hit a certain level of awareness, you can learn from anything, anybody, whatever you come into contact with, you can always learn. He wasn't asking her about that in the clip. And again, if things were cut out, you know, it, it could have gone down differently. But the way that it was shown is that he asked if there was anyone she trusts enough to hold her accountable and call her on her BS. And she said no. She said that, she, this is all paraphrasing, but basically she just said that she hadn't met anybody with more awareness than her, so why would she let somebody else hold her accountable if she's never met anyone who is more aware than her. And then she gives the example of the runners. You know, you gather everybody in the world in one spot, you find the fastest runner, and then you tell that runner, well, you can't teach me anything because there's nobody faster than you. And even that explanation didn't make sense to me at the time because he w from what we saw, he wasn't saying like, you can't teach me anything because you don't have a mentor. He was just wanting to know if there was a, an accountability system in place. That was the question that we heard and that was her response. And so again, I, from the public perception, it wasn't that she was saying that she could never learn anything because I didn't even get that impression from watching it. The The issue was that it sounded like somebody questioned her and wanted to make sure that she essentially wasn't an unchecked entity like he wanted to know if there was any sort of accountability or you know mentorship in place to help ensure that she is living in integrity and she got defensive and she shut it down that was the issue that I had with it and I saw a lot of other people have similar thoughts being taken out of context when I was talking about not wanting to ever get into the spiritual field what I actually said is that I never wanted to get into it because spirituality hurt me so much as a child it being the reason that the man who abused me in childhood was able to gain access to me under the cloak of spirituality and my spiritual gifts. The audio that was clipped together with me saying I never wanted to get into this field of spirituality was taken from a separate conversation where I was talking about my frustrations with the spiritual field in general. This segment, along with the scene where my manager, Matthias, was talking about marketing strategies with our marketing team, suggested that I am against the spiritual field and am in fierce adversarial competition with many of my colleagues, specifically the Dalai Lama, Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, and Anthony Robbins. It also made it look like my team and I are not as much about helping people as we are all about numbers and beating the competition. Not true at all. Having been an athlete, I love healthy competition, but competition is not what we are doing this for. Also, there are realities to what I do. My manager, who is very sweet, by the way, has a job. That job is to focus on the growth and well-being of my career, especially the more business-sided aspect of what I do. 
so that I can focus on creating content to help people. Most of my content is free, but I can't produce the content to help people without money to do it. But I never want you to forget that the reason I got into this line of work in the first place, and the reason I'm still in it today, is to help people who are suffering. I am for the spiritual field, while at the same time, I recognize the flaws and dangers inherent within it. And I have deep respect for many of my colleagues, even if at times our opinions differ. As I said earlier, I feel bad saying this, but I feel like I can't even respond to that argument that she just made because the premise of the argument is based on something that I doubt the validity of. So it feels like kind of a waste of time to try and respond to something, to try and have like a good faith response when I don't even feel like the initial thing she said was fully true. And I talked about this in my last video on Teal Swan. It makes me hard to trust you when you build an empire on a falsehood, when you build your entire internet presence and your entire business on something that is very heavily disputed and has not been able to be proven, it makes me question you, especially when you do that thing to other people and you cause trauma to other people by recovering memories that maybe didn't even happen. And so like, I, I'm just not going to respond to it. And again, I'm not saying that Teal made absolutely everything up. I'm not accusing her of doing that. We saw the childhood journals in the deep end. They looked very dark and, and very serious. And so I do believe that she went through something traumatic, whether it was external or internal, and it, it was like mental health related. I do believe that she did have a hardship. I just have doubt about the narrative that she's putting out now. Documentaries require selecting some things and rejecting other things. I mean, a lot of other things. But that process can sometimes result in inaccurate representations, like the video of my retreat in which two women are helping each other. I don't actually offer a two-week retreat for healing. The documentary gives the impression that these women are two people attending a healing retreat of mine and are doing the completion process together. This is not true. They are actually two trainees at my completion process training that are practicing on each other so they can learn how to do it on clients. They are not, in fact, two retreat attendees attending a retreat to heal. I would never let people coming to a retreat to get help facilitate completion process on each other. Plus, okay. we always have licensed therapists on hand to help. Hmm. I want to explain something. Okay. Um, that's, that's something that I did not know. I very much got the idea from the documentary that those were two completion process retreat attendees doing the completion process on each other. And I did have concerns about it. I think I was more focused at the time on just feeling so horrible for uh, what one of the women was expressing and, and how much pain she was in. I think I was a little bit distracted by that. And so I focused more on talking about that part. This is something I didn't know. And this is good to know. It's good to know that those weren't just people who were totally green, like doing it for the first time and just going off the rails with it, right? So I appreciate knowing that. That is a good thing to understand and for, for Teal to bring up. I appreciate that she did that. As far as always having licensed therapists on hand, I'm confused, but if it's true, that's great.
Thiel often says that traditional therapy methods don't work. And so people do need to go outside of traditional treatment to get the help that they need. So hearing that kind of throws me off. Like that's not something I would expect her to have at those retreats. But if she does, that's great. I wish we had heard a little bit more about them in the documentary. I wish they had been brought up or shown and they could have had a part in it because I do think that could give Teal some legitimacy in the eyes of people who have doubts about her and the eyes of people like me. Again, I'm not saying that it would like completely change my mind on how I feel about her, but I would feel so much better if I knew that she did have licensed therapist. Whether you believe her or not, I mean, I've never seen a post from anybody being like, I'm a therapist who works with Teal or Teal showcasing them, but I also don't like watch her every move on the internet, so maybe I missed it. If you've heard about this before, if you can corroborate it, let me know in the comment section down below. It was not clear in this first episode. The title of the episode is Lost Toys, because at one point I refer to my followers as well as myself as Lost Toys. This is in reference to the island of misfit toys in the old movie Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. In the film, the misfit or lost toys are sentient toys who all have some strange quirk about them, and because of these quirks, these toys feel there is no human child who could possibly want to play with them. So King Moonraiser brings them to stay on an island until suitable owners can be found. When I first started holding these events around the world and became familiar with my audience, many of them reminded me of these characters from this movie, and I myself relate to these misfit toys as well. Most of the documentary focused on my work with men and women who feel suicidal. I think it's very interesting that there are so many accusations against Teal, people calling her the suicide catalyst, them having to hire a private investigator to try and debunk some of the things that are being said about Teal and then not being satisfied with the results of that investigation. You know, there's a lot of things being said about Teal and she chooses to focus on calling her followers the lost toys. Like I knew what she meant when she said it. I knew her reference was for the Island of Misfit Toys. And so it just didn't even, like, I don't even think I mentioned it in episode one. I don't think I mentioned the title. I think I put the quote in here. Let me see. Okay. I did mention it. I said that she says she now has millions of members of the Teal tribe, and she's a spokesperson for people who are considered to be the lost toys, but not everybody is ready for her enlightenment and truth. That's the note that I have. Like, I just mentioned it because it occurred in the episode. Like, I just brought it up because I was giving you a play-by-play -play of what happened. So that's all I said about it. For me, again, I've seen that movie, and so I knew the reference she was making. It didn't seem like something that was a huge faux pas or a point of contention for her to say. It was just like, yeah, she said that. I understand why she said it. Whatever. There are more serious issues that maybe Teal might want to focus on debunking, but maybe she doesn't have an adequate explanation for some of the more serious issues. And so that's why she's focusing on telling the mom to, you know, show her daughter what a woman pursuing her passion looks like and calling people lost toys. And of course, that's part of what I do, but it's only part of it. From childhood trauma to relationship issues to problems at work to health issues to dysfunctional family systems to subconscious patterns, I offer help regarding anything that causes pain and problems in a person's life. 
and I take it all very seriously. It's the ultimate responsibility. And by the way, I don't condone suicide. Full stop. Statements made by anyone out of context, sound bites that are given, that give a different impression, are just wrong and don't represent what I teach and how I feel. At the very end of... If you're listening to the podcast, my jaw just dropped to the floor. <sighs> okay. So we had that very serious sit-down talk where we had to say, all right, we're either committing or not committing to life. Because every time I gave her a suggestion, she'd stop in two days doing the suggestion. So then we have to ask the question, do we really want this to work? And what's interesting is when she asked herself that question, the answer was no, I'm done. So there's nothing that any healer could ever do for that type of vibration, which is totally fine. From source energy, there's nothing wrong with death from that perspective. So she chose to commit suicide. Interestingly enough, it took her about two days before she was reincarnated again. Here's another clip. And how that could affect the people she works with. Now, there's an important distinction I want to make. I know that a lot of Teal's followers say that her teachings save their lives. She encourages people to have conversations about their emotions. Her teachings allow people to open up about their mental health without shame. I'm not worried about every follower, but there is a very specific segment that I am worried about. The people who are struggling with suicidal thoughts, who are maybe isolated from a support network, and who might trust in Teal's self-proclaimed authority. Like Leslie. In our first conversation, you said you were especially stressed about the controversy surrounding Leslie. Do you yeah. not see that as a mistake? No. Leslie was no mistake at all. I did not make a single mistake with Leslie, in fact. So you said this, like, you kind of gave it a decision, like, you need to commit to life or commit to death, and you're in between. Yeah, I tell her that all the time, because that's what it was, that was the reality. And she agreed. If I, I imagine if I were in that position like that, I would feel like I have to, like, decide. I, like, I would feel like, oh, should I have to commit to life or commit to death? I guess I have to commit to death. No, that's not how people go with that. No. That's not where people go with that at all. Well, that's where she went with it. No, she went there because I was gone. But you, if you knew that that could be a possibility, like, why didn't you set her up with somebody who could possibly be there for her? Like, I'm, you... I'm not her provider. I'm a spiritual teacher. I'm noticing a lot of these people are realizing the trauma of their childhood was a lot more severe when they work with you. Mm -hmm. And they're finding they're uncovering a lot more abuse. I mean, was she digging up deeper things? And was that... Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't really remember that well what she was digging up versus what she came to me with. There's there's a lot of different views, obviously, on, on memory and oh God, repressed memory. We're going here now, are we? I don't really think I need to add much to that other than I will comment on how it still gets me, like how cold and callous Teal sounds. I do believe that there's complexity to a situation where someone is struggling with suicidal ideation and if you are trying to help them and you've done what you can and you've done your best and you've recommended that they get help elsewhere like if you've done what you can without intentionally trying to make things worse and they do end up dying by suicide you can't sit there and be like oh I should have done more I should have done this like you can't sit there and take on that responsibility because it wasn't in your control it wasn't your fault but when you have teal swan telling somebody 
who is struggling and who was on antidepressants and who was on medication for her mental health, you have Teal Swan sitting there saying you need to commit to life or commit to death. And that's what happens. It just sounds really disgusting for her to be like, well, it wasn't my job. I was a teacher. I was a spiritual teacher. Like, that's not my responsibility. I don't even know what she was struggling with. Like, <laughs> woo. let's just finish this video out. There's about three minutes left. At the very end of the episode, I made what was supposed to be a cute joke about my rather humorous goal of beating the Pope at spiritual influence because of a most spiritually influential list that comes out each year. But this was edited to make it appear like a very serious, intentional competition that I have with him. It made it seem like I am out to win at any cost, and instead of funny, unfortunately, it came across like I am aggressive, and it came across like megalomania. I guess I need to work on how I convey my sense of humor. I'll give her that one. When it was presented in the documentary, it wasn't presented as if it was a joke. It was just like, this is a statement she's making. She's going to be bigger than the Pope. I thought that that was something that she was truly stating as an intention and not something that she was saying as a joke and doesn't actually care about. And so if it was simply just a joke that didn't land, I can see why she would want to clear that up. And I know you're all wondering about that hot tub scene where I got all bothered by the prospect of Juliana coming to live with Blake. <sighs> Unlike how it appeared, this was not a Juliana is sweet and open to Teal, but Teal is cold and rejecting of Juliana thing. I was not against Juliana being in a relationship with Blake. Like I'm some jealous ex-girlfriend. <laughs> in reality, at the point when that hot tub scene was shot, Blake and I were actually having a conversation about the potential problems of him being about to bring Juliana into our highly intense and complex world as well as the idea of them getting their own apartment and having their own space. I had doubts about Juliana's compatibility to the realities of the life we were living, and a bad intuition about Blake just winging it and hoping for the best. The reality of my life is that I have to protect myself from a person who I don't know being immediately thrust into living in my world. I'm a Girl, you're psychic. You should have seen how it was going to go down. ...public figure like it or not, so I have to be guarded and more careful. Well, there it is. Guess what? I haven't seen any of these episodes, so I will be watching them in real time alongside all of you. Let's hope the anticipation doesn't kill me. <laughs> have a good week. <laughs> okay, so that was Teal's response to episode one of The Deep End. Obviously, I gave my opinions and my thoughts as we were going through it. I do think she included a lot of things that were meant to be misdirections or kind of red herrings to kind of get people away from the main issue and onto lighter things and things that are easier to explain. But that's just how I felt about it. If you are watching this on YouTube, let me know your thoughts down below. And if you are listening to this on Spotify, there is the Q&A section. So I will ask the question, what are your thoughts on Teal's response? And then you can share any thoughts that you have there. And while you're doing that, if you are watching this on YouTube, if you would consider liking this video or subscribing to my channel, that would be great. If you're listening to the podcast, if you would consider leaving a rating and a review, I would be so appreciative of you. And if you've done any of those things already, thank you so much. I am so appreciative of you. And I love being able to just sit here, hang out with you and talk about whatever. 
Thank you so much for watching. Please be kind to people and I will see you in the next one. Bye.